Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Richard tipped me off to an interesting story out of the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's a circuit that contains Michigan. Courthousenews.com reports David Wells writes, A pair of Michigan litigants do not have a fundamental right to the audio recordings of their court proceedings. The Sixth Circuit held on Thursday. So what happens is you go to court, there's a court reporter or some kind of system recording what's happening. If you want to appeal it, you need a copy of what happened in court that day. You can order a transcript. The transcript is written. Two different parties in two different cases said, I'd like to get a copy of the audio recording, what happened in court, because I want to make sure the transcript is accurate. Court said you can't have it. So they filed an action in federal court, and this is where they wound up. The three-judge panel found that the two litigants failed to show they were entitled to the court-made proceedings under the First Amendment. Now, a lot of times you'll see cases where somebody makes an argument and they lose, and you look at it and go, is that the only argument they made? Because I would not have thought of this as a First Amendment issue. I would have thought of this as a Fifth Amendment issue. Due process. You're entitled to due process in the courts. And part of that, I would think, would be the transparency to simply know that the transcripts are accurate. So, for instance, if somebody requested the audio recordings, I can picture a court saying, yeah, but you're going to have to pay for them the same way you got to pay for a transcript because it is not real easy to copy this stuff off. So the court wrote, for our part, we found no case establishing the historical availability of audio recordings of court proceedings when a party can attend a trial receive a transcript, and request the right to record the proceedings themselves. That's the judge writing in a 15-page opinion. And they're pointing out that you could ask the court, you know, I'm here, can I record the proceedings? And if the court said no at that point, well, then you might be able to raise this again. But nobody raised that at the trial court level. And so they're saying if you asked, that might make a difference. I can tell you that in Michigan, in a deposition setting, The court rules say specifically that a party can record the audio of the deposition by simply using a non-secret recording device. So depositions where you bring in a witness, a party, whatever, they get sworn to tell the truth, they testify, they get questioned by the various attorneys, and a court reporter transcribes what happens. I've gone to a deposition before where I knew I probably wasn't going to want to buy the transcript, waste of money, but I wanted to have something just in case. So I walked in, and before we started, I said, hey, everybody, and I turned it on. I'm placing a non-secret recording device in the middle of the table right now. I've had an attorney go, what are you doing? I say, I'm placing a non-secret recording device in the middle of the table. Boom. And I've actually had an attorney go, what are you talking about? I go, well, the court rules say I'm allowed to do this. And they go, really? Not everyone reads the court rules, apparently. The ruling culminated out of two separate legal cases in Michigan, according to court documents, Uh, One litigant and her husband were involved in a matter before the Bay County Probate Court, while the other was a party to a case before the Family Division of the Antrim County Circuit Court. So both of these actions were in Michigan State Courts. They then went to those courts, said, I want to copy the audio recordings. Court said no. And so these people then filed an action in federal court saying it's a violation of their constitutional rights. First Amendment. Like I said, I would have gone to the Fifth, but that's okay. In both cases, the parties sought and were denied the audio recordings of the proceedings, which they wanted to get because they believed the court transcripts contained serious errors. They filed a federal lawsuit challenging the denials, but a U.S. district judge ruled against them, finding that there was no First Amendment right violated when the courts denied access to the audio recordings of their court hearings. 
During oral arguments before the Sixth Circuit in June, their attorney argued that his clients were wrongfully denied the recordings as the state of Michigan had designated such recordings as court records. Court records. But the judge wrote that while courts have established a First Amendment right to court records, the uh, label a state places on specific records is not all-encompassing for First Amendment access rights. So apparently the idea of the First Amendment is based on some previous rulings where the courts have said that court records are accessible to you under the First Amendment. The ruling states that the U.S. Supreme Court has given lower courts instructions to look to experience and logic when determining whether a specific set of materials are subject to access under the First Amendment, and that these two litigants failed to advance an argument that addressed that. As a result, we need not consider whether these local courts entered findings sufficient to support their bans on providing audio recordings because appellants have not shown that they had a First Amendment right to access the recordings to begin with. That's the judge writing. In sum, appellants have failed to present any argument as the relevant legal test. These appellants, therefore, have not shown a violation of First Amendment guarantees under the circumstances of this case. The attorney expressed disappointment in the court's ruling in a statement Thursday, saying, We have received the opinion and are disappointed by its unpublished decision. And this is one of those things that attorneys will tell you is nonsensical. Courts will publish opinions. In the old days, the published opinions would get bound into books, and eventually you could cite those opinions and say, well, they published this opinion, they published that opinion. Some courts will then actually call an opinion unpublished, and they'll publish it. And so when you look at the opinion, the first thing you notice is published opinion or unpublished opinion. But obviously they're both published in the sense that you've got a copy of it in your hands. But an unpublished opinion does not have the same precedential value as a published opinion. So if somebody now goes into court and says, uh, I cite this case from the Sixth Circuit, the judge is going to go, oh, that's an unpublished opinion. It's not as binding as a published opinion. But why would courts do that? And quite frankly, I don't know. The Michigan Court of Appeals does it all the time. They publish all kinds of unpublished opinions. The opinion is being carefully studied and evaluated to guide our next steps on an important constitutional challenge specifically seeking to infuse needed transparency into important state courts throughout Michigan and beyond. Uh, Joining that judge uh, were two other judges because it was a unanimous decision. So three judges heard this and unanimously agreed in an unpublished opinion that you do not have a First Amendment right to the audio recordings of your proceedings in Michigan state courts. So it's unpublished, so for whatever that's worth. But the thing I want to point out, there's a couple of distinctions to be made here. First of all, they're talking about audio recordings. Uh, you may have heard that sometimes courts freak out if you try to go in and video record in a courtroom, depending what's happening in there. And one of the reasons is, I'll just give you one reason, but for instance, if there's a jury trial, photographs of the jury... They don't want that getting out because if people find out who's on the jury and the photographs are widely circulated, that can cause a problem. So audio recordings, though, are a different matter altogether. And the court here appears to be saying that if you went into court in Michigan and you're very concerned about what's going to happen there and you've got a digital recorder. And by the way, I hold this up. This is my this is my universal widget here. But they make digital recorders smaller than this that are really, really good. 
Obviously, most smartphones contain one also, but I'm just, for practical purposes, saying let's suppose you have an audio recorder of some sort. And you come into court, the court is saying that you should ask. If you want audio recordings, make them yourself. And you're allowed to, and it doesn't cost you anything except the cost of getting that recorder. So if you say, I would like to record these proceedings. If the court then said, no, you cannot record these proceedings, then it would be a different case, presumably. Presumably, because that's what they call out to. They say they could have asked. They could have asked. Now, if you asked, can I record these proceedings with a non-secret recording device? If the court says, no, you cannot, then that's a different case. We don't know how they'd rule. But personally, you say, once in a while, Steve, people go, Steve, ignoring the laws, rules, what do you personally think? I personally think that the courts should make those recordings available at cost, meaning that you can order a transcript, it'll cost you money. If you want them to dub off copies of the audio from that hearing, again, just say it's going to cost you some money, but you, you know, you're going to pay for it. The court's not there to just do busy work for you, okay? And I've worked with audio stuff, and I suspect that dubbing off copies of the audio is going to take some time. People I know are going to say, Steve, come on, we made mixtapes back in the day. How hard was it? Well, I've ordered transcripts before, and I've actually called a court reporter on the phone, and ha- or they called me, actually, after I let them know what I wanted to do, and they go, what do you want now? And I say, I want a hearing that was held in this courtroom on this date, and I got to give them the court name, you know, the, the, the judge's name, what chambers, what, what, what courtroom was in. Then I got to say the day of the hearing, the uh, case caption, who the parties were, and approximately what time it was. Because, for instance, if you want a transcript from the day of miscellaneous motion call, there might be 35 cases called that day. And to find that case is going to take a few minutes. Depends on what manner in which they recorded it. And I've been practicing on it for 31 years. So, I mean, I remember when court reporters sat there and did the thing with the thing. And I mean, I mean, some courts still do that. But many of the courts you go into now, you won't see a court reporter, but you'll see cameras everywhere and microphones everywhere. And occasionally you'll hear somebody caution somebody and say, oh, by the way, be sure to speak into the microphone. It's got to make sure you can be heard. And now the other question people are going to ask me, they're going to say, Steve, have you ever heard of a court reporter making a mistake? And I have to tell you, yes, I have. And this is what's scary about this. I took a deposition on a very, very important case of a key witness and got all the way through the deposition. And I actually thought to myself, you know something? The way this witness is testifying, I think I can get them to admit the most important part of the case without tipping them off that it is, in fact, the most important part of the case. And the attorney for the other side is sitting right there. And I asked the person if something was true. And they said, yes, that's true. And I said, and just to be clear here, my question was this, and you answered yes. I said, yes, I did. I said, thank you. And uh, went back to my office uh, celebrating and ordered the transcript immediately. Called and ordered the transcript. Transcript came about a week later. I opened it up like a kid at Christmas. Go to the back. I asked the question. And the answer is no. And I read the follow-up where I said, and you answered my question yes, correct? No. The court reporter had gotten the two most important questions, although it's a duplicate question, backwards. 
and written down no when the person has said yes. Twice. Twice. Now, I'm panicking because I knew I was going to order this transcript. I didn't record this one. So I called the court reporter up and I said, I got a, I got a question for you. I said, I think you made a big mistake. And she goes, what's that? And I said, I asked a question at the end. The answer both times was yes. And you wrote no. And I said, and quite frankly, I asked the question to get them to repeat it. I said yes, and the person said no. And she goes, well, let me take a look at it and call you back. And she called me back, and she was humiliated. I could hear it. She's like, oh, my God, I don't know how this happened. I don't know. She, now, I know there's going to be people in the audience going to say, Steve, she's a friend of the other side. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. When you are doing civil litigation and you're doing depositions, the person who orders the deposition hires the court reporter. And this was somebody I'd used many times before. If anything, she's a friend of mine. Now, she was an actual friend of mine because I'd never talked to her outside of depositions. But she had taken deposition transcripts in many, many of my cases. And so she sent me an amended transcript. And I said, has the other side ordered this yet? She said, no. I said, well, when you send it to them, what do you send them? She goes, no, I'll send them the amended transcript. But she got it completely wrong. And if she had not kept a good record of what had happened that day, because this is what's interesting. A lot of court reporters will come into a deposition. They'll set up their little magical typing box. And they'll put an audio recorder in the middle of the table. And they do that as a backup. So she may have written no. I don't know. I forgot to ask her that. But she said she listened to the tape and she heard the witness clearly say yes and yes. And me asking, you said yes, right? Yes. Without that tape, I might have been sunk. Or at least I wouldn't have gotten the benefit of that good answer. So can court reporters make mistakes? Absolutely. Do they make mistakes? From my own experience, yes. So, getting back to this, if you're going to court and you're that concerned about what's happening, and you probably should be, ask if you can record the audio. And if the court says, no, you can't, the good news is that that statement will be on the record. And then they can try again here and say, we asked if we could record it, and they said no. So then afterwards, we ask for a copy of the audio, presumably they'll still say no. Take that up and see what happens. But I would, again, like I said, First Amendment apparently is an argument that's worked kind of before. I would try the fifth and go on due process. But that's just me. Richard Senate, thanks a lot. David Wells wrote this for courthousenews.com. Sixth Circuit rules against access to court audio recordings as of right now in the state courts in Michigan in an unpublished opinion. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. You are allowed to be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time.